1: Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
2: Welcome to Episode 188 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Since I retired from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is partnership in family caregiving for stroke. A stroke is what occurs when the blood supply to part of a person's brain is interrupted. The interruption is caused by blockage or bursting of a blood vessel in the brain. The interruption deprives the brain of oxygen, causing the brain cells to start dying and dying within minutes. The interruption is a medical emergency. And the strokes' effects and severity depend on where the brain was damaged and how much damage occurred, and they also the effects and severity also depend uh, on the person. That is, they vary from person to person. A stroke's effects include things like reduction or even loss of the ability to move, to see, to speak, and to read and to write. The effects include pain, numbness, or other unusual sensations in the parts of the body affected by the stroke. The effects include difficulty controlling emotions, include depression, include becoming withdrawn, less social and more impulsive, include difficulty thinking and remembering, and they include losing the ability for self-care. All of which is why our topic today, partnership in family caregiving for stroke is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Jordan Bruce and Marie Cortez. Jordan has worked at the corporate office of Canada's largest pharmacy retail store for the past nine years. He currently holds the position of senior database administrator. He survived three heart attacks, one small stroke and a massive stroke, causing paralysis on his left side and also epilepsy. And he says after numerous tests and a lineup of doctors, he remains undiagnosed. Today he has full movement on his left side and he's back at work. Marie grew up in Montreal, Quebec, since graduating in graphic communications management at Ryerson University in 2005 she's worked in pre-press and graphic design for several companies she currently works at the head office of one of one of canada's foremost retail food companies she met jordan at a dog park in 2008 and they have been together ever since and she's been at by his side through it all and though Although they're young in age, she says, the hardships of health have strengthened their relationship and allowed them to grow as a couple. So welcome to the show, Jordan and Marie.
3: Thank you.
4: Thank you, Gordon. Thanks for having
2: me. You're very welcome. Now, Jordan, I'm going to start with you first. Please tell us a little bit more about your career and your life with Maria prior to the first medical event that struck you.
4: Like any urban young professional, I would travel, skydive, scuba dive. I was in boxing. Just live a very nice, young, urban, single professional life. Carefree. And impulsive.
2: What was the first event, Jordan, that really grabbed your attention in the sense of changing your life.
4: Jordan? Uh, 2008, while at work, I had a heart attack. And what
2: did the heart attack cause, cause you in the way of effects? What did you notice?
4: Well, being young in age, with no apparent reasons why I had it, my cardiologist couldn't really figure it out. I threw a barrier around myself, kept people at arm's length just because if doctors don't know why I had a heart attack. They can't treat me for one. It's not like, you know, you had a blockage, you had a stint or a bypass. That was just unknown. And which that left my future unknown.
2: Yeah. Now, Marie, I'm going to ask you... This- about your career and your life, um, prior to this first heart attack that Jordan's just described,
3: um, like Jordan said, um, we pretty much lived carefree lives. I mean, at that point in my t- in my in time, I was actually I was working for a direct marketing company, and it was. Honestly, my my second real job in the industry since I graduated, I wasn't that far into um, the industry as yet. And it was a new company for me because I had switched jobs. And um, I went with them because they were looking to be more creative, and that was great for me because I wanted to get away from pre-press and go into more of design. Um, I was, I still kind of am a workaholic when it comes to, Design and I'm pretty much a perfectionist when it comes to designing things. So I don't really mind the hours, nor did I have any real responsibilities. Like, I didn't have kids, I rented, I mean, there were bills to pay, and there was my dog. But apart from that, like, it was really, I was living a carefree life.
4: I what agree yep. with Marie as a workaholic as well. 14 hours a day, just climbing up corporate ladder.
2: Yeah. And then, then it happened. Now, I want you to tell us, Jordan, about the massive stroke that you had. Um, what were the circumstances in which that occurred to you, that stroke, the massive one?
4: I was sitting in my office. It was late one evening. And when I had gone home except the, the per- person in the office beside me, I started getting a massive headache. My head hit my desk. I then to the floor after numerous attempts of trying to get up. and falling back down. I called for help. My colleague came over. He noticed right away that something was wrong because my face looked like it had melted on the left side. Called 911. I was able to get to the hospital in time and received the clot, the clot, the blood clot agent. GPA? Yep. But all the time that I spent trying to get up and falling down, each, I wasn't aware each minute was precious. And each passing moment was doing more and more damage to my brain.
2: Now, we're going to come back to that story and continue it. But I, I want to ask Marie now what were the first moments of your life? Like after that massive stroke occurred that Jordan's just talked about, tell us about that.
3: Oh, that day <laughs> brings back memories. I remember getting a voicemail on my phone and checking it on the way home, and it just had me scared. It was one of his coworkers, and uh, they said he was going to Sunnybrook. So I got home, took the dogs out. Ran straight to Sunnybrook. I got into emergency, and I didn't even I didn't even get to see him. The doctor just took my arm, and uh, he took me into this room. And then all I can remember is him telling me the consequences of administering the TPA drug, and the time frame to administer it was running out, and that they couldn't reach his parents. And um, Jordan apparently had told them to ask ask me, <laughs> and um, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, ask me, is he crazy? I can't make this decision. (laughs) So I just, honestly, I just kept calling his mom's house. I kept hitting redial, redial, because I I didn't want to be responsible for that decision. All I can remember is the doctor saying something about internal bleeding and surgery and chances of death, and I wasn't prepared to make that call. So thank God, because she answered the phone, and uh, we decided to go with the TPA. So that was really good and then um eventually after that decision was made i was allowed to go see him and uh i do remember his um left side of his face it it did it look like um a melted candle it was droopy and um all i can remember is him opening his eyes and he was so happy to see me and i was so grateful because i didn't know at that point if the stroke had affected his memory if he didn't even remembered me so um I was really happy, and I remember him saying, uh, will you still love me even if I have droopy face? And obviously I said yes.
2: Jordan, do you remember that conversation about the droopy face?
4: That's almost the only thing I remember, the next that in the next three days. I remember so- the doctors asking me to, about the TPA, but I had no idea what was going on, where I was. I knew I had this smashing headache, and any light was extremely sensitive and gave me pain. I said, ask my girlfriend. And then when we showed up, I was elated. And that's the only thing I really remember for the, that in the next three days.
2: That shows the connection, doesn't it? That we're going to be talking about that those are those. That's the thing that you remember. And to ask you now, Marie, that sense of responsibility, um, that you were being asked to consider. Um, that obviously weighed very heavily on you, didn't it? You, it, you, it did. Yeah. Would it weigh so heavily now?
3: Not, not so much. <laughs> Because um, I'm more confident with myself and with decision-making now when it comes to his health because I've, after, after that massive stroke, I have been to doctor appointments with him and I do know more about what can happen, what does happen, what are the consequences and whatnot. So I feel more comfortable in making that decision, although I would probably still call his mom.
4: <laughs> yes. It was a life and death decision she had to make. Very hard, and I thank her for making the right one.
2: Yeah. I, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> yes. it, it was the right one, wasn't it, Jordan?
4: Would it you have been was.
2: able to make it yourself, Jordan,
4: that decision at that time? No, that's that, that's why I told the doctor you have to. I, I, I can't. I remember the doctor saying, if, "If you were my brother, I would have it done." But I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I can't make this decision.
2: So the chances. Ah, that if Marie had not been there to basically connect with your mom and then, with your mom, help make the decision, uh, the decision might never have got made. Is that right?
4: I guess, I don't know the hospital protocol, but I think if I can't make this and you need to sign off on it, yeah, I guess not. And each passing minute is, as you said, in your intro extremely important your the brain is blocked off from oxygen and blood it needs so i guess the hospital wouldn't be able to proceed without any permission
2: right just a very quick one for you marie sure obviously this situation looked very bad to you but did you realize at the time just how serious the situation really was for jordan
3: no not not at all. It wasn't until, um, you know, because I sat with him for a while, and it, it was still happening. Like, even though they administered a TPA, he was still going through a stroke. And um, it was interesting because at points I would ask him, could he still move his left arm? And he was moving it. And uh, could he still feel his left leg? And he could feel it. But as time progressed, even though they had given him the TPA, um You would ask him maybe like an hour after and he couldn't feel his left leg or he couldn't move his fingers. So it was, it was interesting to see and at the same time very, very scary for me because I didn't really know what the true consequences were.
2: Right. Now, I'm going to stop you there because um, we, this is the time that we have to pay the rent by taking a short break. So we're going to do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guests are Jordan Bruce and Marie Cortez. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. <music>
1: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
5: When you look at something that's been designed, whether it's clothing, architecture, or a work of art, do you stop and wonder about the inspiration and thought process that went into the design? Tune in to Dishing the Dirt on Design with hosts Ann Asher and Eleanor Schrader-Shapa. We'll take the mystery out of the creation process along with revealing the backstory, from art to fashion to travel and so much more. Listen to Dishing the Dirt on Design every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay at 8 a.m. Pacific for The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Bacilli, radio to thrive by. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to Doc G at Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jordan Bruce and Marie Cortez. Our topic is partnership in Family Caregiving for Stroke. Now let's talk about life for both of you. After The massive stroke or maybe the other strokes or maybe the heart attack or heart attacks and the challenges that followed for you both. So, Jordan, you first. Please tell us about the way your life evolved after the sort of things got to the point of the massive stroke. And please just give us a a sense of the challenges that followed for you both. Jordan?
4: After the massive well, learning how to walk and talk again, move my arm, my fingers. It was really long and tedious, hard, process one of the hardest things ever I've had to accomplish. And so- then the emotional aspect, on top of that it was a little bit overwhelming. These feelings I never really had before. Just being deep inside myself to continue on and work harder and recognising the person by my side every step of the way was Marie Cortez.
2: That's what you just said about the struggle. Give us a time. How long was that struggle to get your fingers going and things like that? How long did that actually last?
4: Well, after... I was at Toronto Rehab, inpatient rehab, youngest person in the hospital, in the ward. It took me about two and a half months to learn how to walk again. And that and was walking with a walker. My, my fingers took a lot longer. It would take months more after that. It would take hours of me just staring at my fingers, same move. When people ask me what it was like, I'd be like, it's like a whole bunch of strings, like a thousand strings. And you had to try to pull each one to to get a movement. Once you get a movement, I wouldn't stop moving it. First time I ever moved my arm was to put it around Marie at the movie theater. I remember watching the the exact movie. We had the wheelchair in the back of her car. And the first time I ever moved my arm was to put it around her shoulder. And, of course, after I moved it, I couldn't stop moving it. I didn't want to stop moving it. I kept doing it over and over again. So I felt that if I stop moving, I won't, I won't remember how to get it back.
2: Marie, I want you to tell us about the way your life evolved after that, you know, the massive stroke and the challenges that followed for you and for Jordan. Please tell us about those.
3: It's, um, I just find it interesting how Jordan went straight to, um, his phys- physical recovery. Um, for me, I think it changed when he was still in the hospital. And, uh, because, you know, to me, he's always been this knows what he wants, independent guy, and here he is in intensive care. And, um, he's having, breakouts and tantrums and he's yelling and screaming and trying to break the bed and he keeps talking about jumping out of the window and how his life isn't worth living now. And, um, it was hard. It was, it was hard for me and I'm sure it was hard for him and he probably doesn't remember it because he was on morphine then for the pain, but it was, um, it was something else to watch and be around. And, uh, it was up until, I think, there was a, a priest who came in, and he had a long conversation with Jordan. I actually don't know what they talked about, and it was after that where his whole outlook sort of changed, and he, he was um, optimistic again, and he wanted to fight, and he, he knew he could get through things, and that's when it sort of turned around um, for us, I think all well,
2: for me, yeah, Jordan, please tell us about the way in which you saw Marie responding to the challenges you confronted. Marie has just said something very powerful, as you, we both heard that is your behavior the way in which you were reacting to your situation was very traumatic to her, but things did change. But I want to know from you, please, what you saw about the ways in which Marie responded to those challenges. How
4: did she respond as you saw her? She Go stepped ahead. up. It's pure and simple. She stepped up to the plate at every turn, which I'm quite surprised. And I remember pushing her away in the hospital. It was like when we were just talking about Emotional outbursts I had for a couple days. That's just when I realized I was paralyzed on one side. But even after that, my attitude would change. I would get irate. I'd try to push her away. I told her, don't come see me anymore. Leave me alone. And nothing disturbed her. She was there every single night.
2: Jordan, was it the illness? Was it the stroke? Was it the damaged brain speaking and doing the things that you've just been describing to us that is pushing her away and that kind of
4: thing? Is that the way you see it? Absolutely. It was the unknown. Like One heart attack, previous two. No, two heart attacks and one stroke previous no diagnosis and now I find myself laid up in a hospital bed paralyzed. And I remember my last neurologist appointment, she goes, you're walking time bomb. We'll just have to see what happens next. And I just remember laying there going, really? Well, this is what happened next. And now I don't know what happens next. So I just want a distance from everybody. And when you wo- the fighter she is wouldn't give it to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Marie, I'm going to ask you... To talk more about why you wouldn't walk away when in in a way Jordan was asking you to, but you wouldn't walk away. Why wouldn't you? And why did you respond to his challenges in the way you did?
3: Um because I loved him. You know? Plain and simple, I loved him. Yeah. And um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I I could only imagine, you know, how it would feel to lose, to wake up one day and lose half your body. You know, I can only think about it and relate to what I've seen, what he went through. And I, I probably would have reacted the same way. I wouldn't want anybody around. But from my point of view and... What happened with myself when he was going through that, to tell you the truth, I, I wasn't even thinking about the future. I wasn't thinking about now or I, I was just, it was sort of, I just felt like I needed to be by his side. And I don't know how quite to explain that. I wasn't thinking about the future or what could happen or if he would never walk again. I wasn't thinking about that. All I thought about was where I feel comfortable right now is beside him.
2: Jordan, I want to ask you um, about the conversation you had with the priest that Marie referred to. Is there anything you'd like to share with us about that conversation and the way in which it might have affected, the way in which you saw and behave towards Marie. Jordan, what would you like to say about that?
4: Well, first, when the priest walks in to your hospital room, he gets a little nervous. And um, I just opened up a, a stroke. I don't know if it was the chemicals or the damage, but I had this rush of different emotions. And we spoke about one thing that has always kept me, kept my arms. To people. I've, I've lost uh, three siblings, and, and that itself kept me awake. So, talking about that, I've never really come to grip with that loss. But talking with the priest about it really just showed me that I, I can get through this.
2: Marie, do you think that conversation, in the way that Jordan's described it, Um, was the turning point in the way that Jordan saw and perceived you, uh, there by his side, staying with him. Was that conversation a turning point, do you think, for him and both of, and you together?
3: I, I would say yes. Actually, he, right after he, um, talked to that priest, I failed to mention it before, but that was actually the first time he proposed to me. And I thought he was just high on medication, so I said no.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I was high on morphine. Oh, thanks, honey. (laughs) No.
2: So that was a turning point in another way. That is to say, Jordan, is this right? You started perhaps to be more optimistic. Is that right?
4: Absolutely. And I looked at her. I looked at her there day in, day out. And really started to appreciate, instead of being selfish and thinking that, no, I just don't want anyone around me. I really appreciated her being there and looked forward to it many days. Definitely. Marie,
2: Marie, just quick, very quickly, um, what was the first thing that you noticed in the way that uh, Jordan was? welcoming you and responding to you that change what was the first sign of that change that you you perceived
3: it was really the um, look in his eyes to tell you the truth it was um it was just different like there wasn't so much of a sorrow it was more so of a drive and i think it was it was the look in his eyes and i'm not like obviously his emotions did still up still go up and down But it was from that point I knew that he was at a better place to deal with what we had to deal with.
2: Straight question to you, Marie, again. Did that mean also that you felt that you were in a better place and going to be better able to deal with what you had to deal with?
3: I would say yes, because um, as we've learned throughout the years, like I feed off him and he feeds off me. And when he's sad, I tend to be sad. And when I'm happy, he tends to be happy. And I definitely think that it impacted me as well.
2: So would it be fair to say, Jordan, that hope returned in in those changing times that you've just been describing? Was it the return of hope, do you think?
4: Hope and the determination for escape. Yeah. I no, went, I mean, an escape. I don't mean it metaphorically. I mean literally escapes the hospital after many failed attempts. I couldn't, so it's just mm-hmm. hope that the determination to walk again.
2: Yeah. yeah. In other words, it was an escape from a kind of situation that you were going to move away from because you could and because you wanted to and because you had the hope that you were going to be able to do it. And I know I'm feeding you with uh, uh, my impression and that you had Marie by your side when you were going to do that escape, that is, to get going, to get out of the place. Uh, That's my summary of what I'm hearing from you both and at this point i'm not going to give you the opportunity to respond to me but instead we're going to take the break because we're going to talk about much more uh, about your responses together as from that turning point onwards so let's pay the rent as i always say let's take the break This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Jordan Bruce and Marie Cortez. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back.
1: Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com.
5: American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join your hosts, Gary Ray and Ted Griffin, Jr., as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network. Live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time.
1: Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, Real Talk on Business and Parenthood, hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story, coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses, while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
5: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to
1: Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jordan Bruce and Marie Cortez. Our topic is Partnership in Family Caregiving for Stroke. Now, I want you to carry on, both of you, please, looking back over your life together as you confronted the challenges you've been talking about. So, Jordan, looking back from where you are now over that whole life that you led, what were the most challenging of the challenges that confronted you and how did you confront them?
4: Well, from my last, last stroke, the most challenging part I found after the overcoming the physical was the emotional, not not being able to control my, they call it emotional mobility, yep. not being able to control my emotions from going from 0 to 100, where pre-stroke I was always at a 3 or a 4. Nothing bugged me really, nothing irritated me really. We never really saw over excitement or over sadness or over anger. So learning to deal with those emotions and and then realizing, then I can learn self-realization on how those emotional leaps and bounds, ups and downs are affecting me.
2: Going to ask the same question to Marie now. What were the most challenging of the challenges that confronted you, and how did you confront them, Marie?
3: You know, I'd have to agree with Jordan. It was definitely the emotional ability that um, no one prepared us for, (laughs) surprisingly. I actually, it was really hard to deal with his ups and downs. It was sort of like I got used to his, I call it his cycle, where he would attempt to do something, and I get frustrated because he couldn't do it, and then that frustration would turn to anger, and then it was just angry Jordan. And I found it very hard to to cope with, and I didn't know if like this was normal or whatnot. And so I did some research. We went on. Well, I went online and I actually joined um, a caregiver support group online, and um, people were talking about these emotional outbreaks, and it's how it's called emotional ability. And I just found it interesting how none of his um, doctors and stuff prepared us for this. Um, it did actually. After we found out about it, it, it did get better because he was aware of it. But um, because he became epileptic, um, I'd say, I don't know, Han. How long after how long after your stroke did you first get your seizure?
4: Um, I, I think about. Six months. Another thing that doctors did not tell us that could happen. There was a whole laundry list of things we were not told to expect yeah. post discharge from inpatient rehab.
3: Yeah, and that, that seizure, like it's I thought stroke was scary. If uh, seeing him have a seizure, just I, my heart was pounding and calling 911. I didn't know what to do, and it was terrible. Terrible, absolutely. It's one of the worst things I think a person can see. And um, after that seizure, they actually put him on a different um, drug, an anti-seizure drug. And the, uh, the doctor actually who prescribed it told us that couples of 40 years would split up because of this drug and because of the emotional effects on the person who takes it. And that scared me even more.
4: The amount of friends I lost because of that. Friends and family. Because the ups and downs were just really extreme. I've lost a lot of friends and family because of my reactions or actions emotionally.
3: It was. It was really hard to deal with.
2: So there were two things. There were your, there were your what I'm going to call emotional reactions, but there were also the seizures. And did they come together? Did those two things... Make each other worse or were they quite separate? Jordan?
4: They're concurrent. I had to deal with two problems. I had two front lines. I had to deal with the emotions. Three, actually. I deal with the emotions, the physical, learning how to redo things, then the seizures, being worried. Everywhere I went, I was worried about having a seizure, where I could go and seize and no one see. It was another item to add to why I should push people away from me. Yeah. I could die of a heart attack at any day, I could have another massive stroke, or I could be able in public and seize. All these unknowns they were all being battled at one single point in time.
2: I want to go back to Marie. All of this, these two things acting together, the seizures and, as you call it, the emotional lability, that is, the mood changes, the dramatic mood changes and things like that. Marie, what was your uh, strategy, so to speak, for... Dealing with those yourself and your reaction to those, Marie.
3: Those are um, probably the hardest things that I I had to deal with. It wasn't um, a lot of people would ask me if it was like the physical, like driving him around, picking up, uh, picking him up, going to doctor's appointments, taking on more chores. But it wasn't even that. Mm-hmm. It was, and I could care less about all that physical stuff. Like it, it, it was just. Do it for me, but when it come to, when it came, to, sorry, to the emotional ability, I found it extremely hard, extremely hard, and uh, to the point where I I had a breakdown. I had a breakdown, and I had to go. I seeked help. I talked to my doctor. I was referred to um, a counselor, and I went to counseling, and um, they had put me on antidepressants it was It was a really big thing for me, and it affected me a lot and i you know what, even with my job, I asked for stress leave, and they wouldn't give it to me and you know what that particular employer ended up um ending at terminating my contract with them because I wasn't able to cope and it did it impacted me greatly, but I must say that when um When they did terminate my contract, I came home and I was worried because I didn't know how Jordan was going to um, react. Uh, Surprisingly, he reacted the complete opposite of what I thought he would. And he he actually said, well, you asked for a break and you got it. It's a good thing. And they took you for granted and you ended up hating working there anyway. So just take this time and relax now. It was It was interesting, and it was but you know what i couldn't I couldn't have done it without help, without counseling and without like online forums and stuff and talking to people. A lot of it is about expressing about how you feel because I was keeping all of this in and just tippy toeing you know and tipping tippy toeing around him, not making sure that you know I wouldn't say anything that would like make him angry and it was it was hard to deal with.
2: Jordan, when you re- when you understood uh, that Marie had lost her job, what was the reaction you experienced?
4: No, I felt I felt bad for her because she worked crazy hours. It, it was mixed. It was she wasn't happy there. They terminated her employment because of. Because she would take the next day off. Because I was in the hospital for a seizure. I was happy. It was, I, I told her when one door opens, closes another one opens, and I and I told her I'll support her through through this financially as she's supported me emotionally through the entire medical extravaganza.
2: Right. Now, Marie, that was then. Yes. What stage has your partnership reached now? Where are you up up to, the pair of you?
3: The pair of you? Well, we're engaged. That must be a good thing.
2: So you finally said yes to him.
3: (laughs) Finally, the third time.
4: (laughs) Can you believe
3: he proposed twice to me while he was in hospital?
4: it's the (laughs) (laughs) morphine very good
2: but what it really comes to though as i'm listening to you is the way in which uh... jordan you in effect put your arm around marie when she was fired from her job and the way in which marie understood that you so clearly that far from being angry with her or disappointed in her you actually supported her, and that was that sense of partnership that um, seems to have done so well that now you've decided to uh, go the next step. And if I've understood you right, to get married now very quickly. Both of you, Jordan first. Am I right? Roughly in what I've just said to you?
4: Absolutely. Once you know, you can take for granted the people, your partners, the people around you. For so long until something happens and you realize your goals are so aligned you have to support one each other no matter what. And because we were in good times in and bad, might as well make it official.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Marie, how do you respond to that question? That is that sense of where you're at where you're at now and the way in which uh, you both uh, really drew strength and hope from the way in which you felt about each other and responded to each other during the bad times. That's right, isn't it?
3: Yes, I completely agree with him. And you know what it does? It does take something, if I could say bad, to um, make us realize what we what we really do have and what we should be cherishing every day. And I think a lot of people... Um, in general, in the world, take for granted what they do have and who, who does surround them.
2: Well, there certainly was nothing to be taken for granted, if I can put it this way to you, in the situations you were in, it was all hope and all support and it was all progress and uh, that's a wonderful story. Now we're going to take the break this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Jordan, Bruce, and Marie Cortez. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
1: is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
5: Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jordan Bruce and Marie Cortez. Our topic is Family Caregivers for the... For... Um, people going through serious, serious situations like strokes. That's really what it comes to. So now I want to hear from you both about doing more to help partnerships in family caregiving confronted by serious life-threatening events such as strokes. So, Jordan, you first. What do you want to do yourself and what do you want to see done to help partnerships in family caregiving confronted by the kind of things you were confronted by?
4: Education. Absolutely. Because when you mention the word caregiver, what pops into majority of people's minds are people looking after their elderly mother or father. It's not like it can happen to anybody. We we were set on our way. We were discharged. Doctors did not educate us. Social the social worker at the hospital did not educate us. We we ventured into new ground by ourselves.
3: Yeah, There's I didn't no know. Help. I we didn't were left know what to our
4: thinking. own resources.
3: Sorry, honey. Go on, move. Carry I, on. I was just saying I didn't I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I just knew I wanted to be with him and I would do anything to help him in that state and it was it was a it was a uphill battle and I I wish there was more information um about the after like they teach you everything about how to you know all the physical stuff how to um properly um Trans, like, move him from a wheelchair to a car. They tell you what equipment you need to buy for your bathtubs. They need you, like, they, they'll tell you about how to mark down his medication and what signs you should be aware of, but they don't tell you about the everyday sort of stuff. And I think that's where, where I mostly found information on it was, was online and um, through peer support caregiver groups online. And I went that route.
2: So you're really both saying that information, not just about the hardware, the wheelchairs, those kind of things, but also about the emotions and the challenges and the ups and downs and the kind of things that you went through, but without being properly briefed on, without being properly informed about. Am I right about that? Yes,
4: Yes. Exactly. things without assembly... Assembly instructions. That kind of education. Anything that doesn't have to do with assembly or working mechanics. The emotional part is absolutely what they need to educate you on.
2: Yeah, Jordan. Still for you? Would you be ever be interested in helping to? Provide that kind of information that was missing for you. Would you?
4: Yes, and I have. I I was a spokesperson for the Heart and Stroke Foundation, receiving uh, the Heart and Stroke Survivor Ambassador Award of two thousand eight. I developed an electronic program called Healthy Passport, which would unite caregivers, medical teams, and patient together?
3: Actually, I worked on that as well, hun.
4: Um, I actually volunteered,
3: yes. yeah, d- volunteered some of my, my time to design um, a couple of the documents for the University Health Network, and, you know... I also volunteered to do, um, it was mostly for the March of Dimes and stuff like um, research groups and what caregivers would need and like family information for caregivers and stuff. But it it all depends on the actual um, organization and how much they're looking for. I mean, you can always push it, but...
2: Right. Now, I want to ask you the same question, both of you. This is the last last question for each of you. What's your message to family caregiver partnerships confronted by the serious things you've been confronted by? What's your message, Jordan?
4: Love, respect, and understand. Both the way you're yeah. It. aware Those three are universal. And if you guys can do that, then you'll they'll grow together, and they'll become better.
2: The same question for you, Marie. What's your message to family caregivers confronted by the things you've been confronted by?
3: I actually agree with Jordan completely. He, That was very well put, hon. Again? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was. It was very well put. And, I mean... I tell this even to my mom nowadays because she, she worries about him, you know, and I just tell her, you know, we can't, we can't predict the future, but we can make choices to steer it in the way we would like it to go. And if it doesn't go that way, well, then you improvise. And I think the key to everything is staying optimistic. And I know sometimes, trust me, I know sometimes you really do. You're, you're down there and you feel like you've got nowhere else to go, but You just really got to pull everything that you have inside you and look at the other person and feel how much you love them and, I mean, just feed off each other. And you'll make it through.
2: Making it through. Um, Now, we've unfortunately come to the end of this um, episode of Family Care Givers Unite, but I, first of all, want to say to you both every happiness for the future. Um, Thank you. You're you. both set, you're setting out together on yet another road together, and it, it's a happy one. I can tell that by the way <laughs> you're talking with each other. Uh, no, it, you,
1: yeah, you're sharing. You're, you're
2: making a few jokes at each other, and that's wonderful. So I want to wish you more and more and more of that. I also want to thank you for being so open with us about what you went through what it felt like, how you responded to it, how you worked together, what the ups and downs were, and what the really serious challenges were. So all I can say to you is thank you for sharing, and I know that what you've been talking about will be of very great value to others who are traveling the same road that you both have traveled together, because there are people out there.
4: Thank you, Gordon, for having us and having and putting the swarm together where people can have a voice and help one another. That's right. That's exactly right. I applaud you. I applaud you for the work that you've done.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I really do. Now, I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode, and we'd also like to hear about about ideas for topics from you or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And I have to say, in closing, that our next episode will be talking about family caregivers for the party for people with special needs. So please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet, talk to you then. And thanks once again to Jordan and Marie. Thank you.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.